Hey everybody, uh, it's Joe Rogan here. Um, I'm going to uh, talk today about um, you know things that I believe in. Um, I uh, when I had COVID and I I took everything I could possibly take, including ivermectin and uh, I smeared petroleum jelly on both of my elbows and then I uh, used my elbows to pull me across my living room floor. I, I left a big smear mark because um, I'm a mouth breather. But uh, yeah, and then I went and worked out really hard and I had a, a really good protein shake and, and then I jerked off to pictures of the Kardashians. It was a good night. Hey everybody and welcome to The Weird. Are you okay? <laughs> I love our new sponsor. Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience. Thank you for sharing some of your Spotify billions with us. I don't understand. I don't either. How he's so popular. Well, I do. Sorry, I do understand. Why? Angry white men. Is it really? Like, because I've listened to him and he's not a great interviewer. He just sounds kind of like he didn't read anything before the interview. He's sensational. He was a, a successful stand-up comic. I think he comes across to a certain demographic as being very personable, speaks like and for that demographic. And that demographic, I think, is very feeling very disenfranchised in our new enlightened world. And I, and I mean that sincerely. I think they do. Mm -hmm. Not that I mind the fact that men don't feel entitled to, you know, maintain rape culture and things like that. But um, I think that's why he's so, po he, he struck just at the right time. And he's, he is a crafty manipulator in the way he presents information, the way he tears down some people uh, when he's interviewing them or supports other people up. And then he'll hide behind like the Invermectin stuff. Vaccines are, are you know, implanting microchips or whatever the hell he, he espouses. Well, I mean, he has like gross people, like people that don't deserve any kind of platform like that Yannick, yes. whatever that fucking guy's name is from England, who's just like a waste of time. Like there's no point in the interview. And Candace Owens, like that woman's like, what, why? Yeah, why bother talking right. to her? Yeah. She's just a, a really aggressive asshole. I don't understand. I don't understand the world, but I do understand the weird, Dan. There you go. And here we are again. Let's focus on some positivity. You want to know something really quick before we launch into, uh, our uh, our episode hit me i recently did one of those dna things where they tell you about your ancestry i've wanted to do that oh my god tell me everything i was actually surprised at the results i'm only 49 percent french mm -hmm. uh and they they tell you like what parts of france like your your relatives they're from this swath of like across south the south of france and it, so that uh but then i'm 29 percent irish which is more than i thought i would have. I, I have an Irish grandmother. So, but then I've got like a mix of Welsh and Scottish in there. Oh, and, the, okay. and the Welsh, it was like, I, I never knew that. And it's like 9% Welsh. So to all our Welsh visitors, I am now, I hope your favorite son, what the hell are you doing to your mouth? I was picking my teeth a bit with that edge of a piece of paper because I eat Doritos and they're stuck between my teeth because I have like pumpkin teeth. By the way, Doritos, if you're looking for us to sponsor your product, Riley is a terrific spokesperson. Well, I told you, I just rediscovered a sweet chili heat Doritos, which I hadn't had in ages. And oh, I'm, here I am doing what I said I hate other podcasts doing. <laughs> wasting yes. people's time. Okay, okay. I will shut my big loud hole. You go, little Miss Moisture. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story of 
an exorcism. Uh, it's the exorcism of a gentleman named George Lukens, and the interesting thing about it is it's an old-timey exorcism. So from like the 1980s? No, way old-timier than that. We're talking 70s. 1700s. Get out of town, Riley! 18th century, yeah. So um, it's, uh, yeah, and you don't come across documented stuff especially exorcisms from that era the church kept a lot of stuff secret you know how they are they're they're pretty shady so and these records for this are coming from the church or yeah coming from england which is good because they were a bit more developed than other parts of the world at that time so they have they have better records than uh than some of the other countries in the world would have had Mm -hmm. okay dan let's Take a deep dive into the weird. May 31st, 1778. A young woman named Sarah Baber, not Barber, Baber. Hey, Baber. Hey, Sarah Baber. Oh, I sound anyway. Came to see Reverend Joseph Easterbrook at Temple Church in Bristol, England. I love that. So British, Temple Church. It just sounds like, you know, I can see it. She explained that she had seen a man inflicted with a strange condition in the neighboring community of Yatton, and that's located in Somerset, in the sort of geographic area they know they call Somerset. Okay. The man was a tailor in his 40s, and his name was, in fact, George Lukens. This is my favorite part. It's documented by more than one person that he was also a known as a ventriloquist and a very good one. That was a thing back then? Yeah, I was surprised, too, that ventriloquism was around in the 1700s, but apparently it was. And, and I thought, also thought ventriloquism was always like a, a French thing, like France, but apparently British had it, too. Well, I wonder what, and it, this is a for real question, I wonder what the roots of that, like how far back they go, like if they're part of the minstrel shows and things like that. Maybe there is a episode of The Weird that we can do on the history of ventriloquism. Oh, those dummies are so creepy. They're so creepy. And then Mr. Peepers. It's the one where the the ones where the eyes move from side to side. Yeah, it's just so off-putting. Okay. George, poor George, the ventriloquist, was experiencing daily fits. And during those episodes, he routinely sang and screamed loudly and made really strange unnatural sounds. This sounds a lot like you. It does. That's how I get up in the morning. Some of the sounds didn't actually, people who witnessed it said the sounds that he was making didn't seem possible for a human to do. Like they were beyond the, the capabilities of the human vocal cords. Okay. All right. He also often spoke in an unrecognizable accent. Uh, he also swore and hurled horrible abuse at those around him, which I love, and was very aggressive. I think it's just, he sounds like he was part of the truck convoy. Oh. <laughs> da, 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 da. Woo! Had to. <laughs> Physically, he would go through sort of <laughs> paroxysms. His, he would contort and writhe. And, and this is just in the street, or this is in shows. Where, where is he doing randomly, this? Randomly, randomly. Okay. He I just know. like, in his, at his business, because he was his tailor. So, doctors had tried to help him. They had administered various, you know, tinctures. I'm sure they called it that back then. You go to the apothecary and and get a tincture. But their efforts hadn't been successful. So the parish, being the good-hearted, you know, center of faith that it was, managed to collect enough money to send him for a lengthy stay at St. George's Hospital. And this was in 1775. And he had been sent there for observation. And they observed him, but nothing that they tried seemed to get rid of his affliction. Hmm. However, it's important to note that while he was at the hospital, he didn't experience any episodes or seizures whatsoever. 
The doctors concluded that he was incurable, that it was likely psychosomatic, and they released him. Okay. After that, Lukens was cared for by a private surgeon named Smith. I love that his name is Smith, who was also unsuccessful. You, you love every person's name that we bring well, it's up. It's just funny show. that his name was Smith. That person's name was uh, Simons. Can you believe it? Simons. Oh, come on. Come on. The last the last name I really laughed over was you in the Jack the Ripper episode last, last time saying Bagster. Yeah, that's a good name. Like, in his middle name like was You're Bags. getting excited about Smith. So next time I see you in person, you walk into the restaurant, I'm going to go, Yes, the Bagster! Where have you been? Jesus, you look great! <laughs> How's I, Mare? She good? She got a nice pair, you know what I'm saying? I, as the Bagster, I only uh, refer to myself in th- the third person and just repeat my name. Bagster! <laughs> Bagster! Bagster. We've got a uh, Canadian sitcom right here. I bet the CBC would greenlight that. <laughs> okay. All right. Many physicians examined Lukens during the course of his disorder, uh, and it was determined by most of them uh, that he was afflicted, and I quote, afflicted with a grievous hypochondriac disorder. And even with heavy doses of prescribed laudanum, and you know what laudanum is. It was, they used to use it in the like old... A sedative. Yeah, and it would put you to sleep. A lot of people had sleeping disorders would give them... A lot of people were addicted to it. Before surgery. Yes, and they were addicted to it. And even with doses of that, he still experienced those seizures. So the records state that Lucan's frustrated, desperate, and really at wit's end, sought the help of cunning folk. And when I say cunning folk, I mean magic practitioners. Okay. And and just to, to be clear, when he was going to see these medical practitioners and spent time at St. George's, this was voluntary. Yes. Oh, he, he did not want to have this affliction. Yeah. Okay. So he's not putting it on. Not at all. Not at all. Well, he could have been, but it was very elaborate. And what what's the end game? Yeah. Attention would be the only end game, right? All right. So he goes to seek out magic practitioners. Such a woman was found in a town nearby named Bedminster, and she determined, <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face, that rolled up brown paper with pins driven through it should be burned in a fire whenever he experienced the episodes. Hold on. Rolled up brown paper. Brown paper with pins in it. Well, that But that does make sense. How? Well, you see, when your humors are out of line, you need to jostle them to re- discover their equil- equilibrium. Mm-hmm. The only way you can do that is by using paper with pins, because if you use paper without pins, then you're actually going to have more of your fire humor out of whack with your earth humor. Yeah, you got it, Dan. You nailed it. Have another daiquiri. Anyway, <laughs> the brown uh, the brown paper with the pins, surprisingly, didn't help. No. So other practitioners of the secret arts claimed that he had been bewitched by, and I quote again, indigent and infirm old people. Sorry, what? Indigent and infirm no, what's old indigent? angry. Oh, oh. Okay. I believe. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at me like a, a come on, indigent. Or it doesn't mean they don't have a home. Uh, poor, needy. Yeah, so indigent means poor. So old people, because you know how old people are. They'll just hex you because they're needy and they can't walk. So Sarah, the girl I spoke to about earlier who was seeking the help, knew George quite well. And she described him as a very religious man 
who attended church regularly and was respected by all in the community. However, that had all ended when the episodes had begun 18 years earlier in 1769. So that's when this started, 1769. And he'd been going through this for almost two decades, except for the, wow. I guess, the break he had when he went to the hospital. So the people of Yatton, as they would, gossiped about him and concluded, because we are still in superstitious times, concluded that he was cursed, bewitched, or possessed by a demonic spirit. Okay. It sounds like a jazz song. Cursed, bewitched, or possessed. That's what you do to me. Cursed, bewitched, or possessed. Let's raise a family. There you go. That sounds like a, an 80s song. Well, look Look when I had my head Frankie Goes to Hollywood would have sang that. Oh, then it would be 20 minutes long. So according to Lucan, it's true, all their songs, oh my God. According to Lucan's, the episodes had started one year when he was performing in a mummer's play at Christmas time. Mummers. I know about mummers because they also used to have them in Newfoundland. And we went to theater school. Yes, but I didn't study. Did you study mummers? Yes, in intro, in intro to theater, first year, okay. of course. I did not. Mummers are plays where folk tales are performed by amateur actors. They are predominantly male. The characters wore masks. They would visit from house to house. And the stories were simple, and they usually involved combat and revival of the defeated character by a doctor. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Playful things. Very close to Commedia dell'arte from Italy. The mummers that I'm familiar with, though, from Newfoundland, wore these, like, kind of uh, napkins, not napkins, but uh, handkerchiefs over their noses to obscure the bottoms of their heads. Not unlike what we're wearing right these days in, in the pandemic. Anyway, hmm. after Lucas participated in a mummer's performance at the home of a Mr. Love. <laughs> Where are you going tonight? I'm going to see Mr. Love. Uh, Lucas was walking through the streets of Yatton with two of his friends, a Mr. Avery and a Mr. Red at his side. And without any warning... An unseen presence slapped him across the face. The two men that were with him said the blow was so severe that he was actually rendered unconscious. Hmm. So he was ghost slapped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Many have stated that he simply passed out from alcohol consumption, but the two guys that were with him swear that some unseen entity belted him across the face. Were they drunk? Uh, well, they'd had a few. It's Britain. It's the 1700s. Yes. What are you going to do? So after that incident, poor Lukens began to experience seizures where he could not speak. And one of the most pronounced aspects of the episodes was the frantic twitching of his right hand. So his right hand would twitch and convulse. During these events, he could, and I'm quoting, not bear any virtuous expression used without pain or horror. And virtuous, like, so, you know, Jesus is Lord, something like that. Anything virtuous, anything good, anything religious would cause him to become very upset. And we know that that is, um, you know, a, a sign of demonic possession. What happened? Did you spill your beer? I almost spilled it. You okay there? You look like um, you've received that as an award. It's his microphone, ladies and gentlemen. He's holding it in his lap. It looks like you have a big blue dick. <laughs> well... Lukens believed that he had been cursed, and he readily shared this hypothesis with the uh, others in the community. However, he soon came to believe that he was, in fact, possessed by a demonic entity, so he narrowed it down. He claimed that as many as seven demons had taken up residence in his body, mm. and as a result, it would require seven clergymen to get them out. So you would assign one clergyman to each demon. Who 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 comes up with that idea? He, he, he did. Decided? Okay. 
Yeah, he just came up with that. Okay. So if he had eight demons, I guess he'd have to have eight clergymen. So back then when you were possessed, I guess it would be good if you were only possessed by one or two because it would be a lot easier to coordinate your exorcism, right? Imagine trying to get seven clergymen all together. Well, and that's the thing. You meet her all in the room like, where's Smith? Oh, man, he had to do last rites. Oh, fuck. We're going to have to call it off for today, guys. And they all leave. I wonder, too, at that time, would you have to pay the clergy to come for something like that? Doubtful. So uh, I would note that in the Bible, this is maybe where he got this from. Mary Magdalene is possessed by seven demons. I never knew that Mary Magdalene was possessed by anything because you and I this were both, the Bible? You and I are both recovered Catholics, right? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Like I know that she was like you know hang, hung out with Christ. She's a former prostitute, I believe, but yes. I didn't know that she had been possessed by seven demons. That's some people say that she actually married Jesus. I know, and that's the uh, the Grail. The Grail, the Grail is their child. Lucan's eventually became a shadow of his former self, and he was described as an emaciated and exhausted figure. And this was the information that Sarah Baber, not Barber, Baber, shared with Reverend Easterbrook on that faithful, not faithful, on that fateful day. Now, Reverend Easterbrook knew Sarah to be an honest and sincere woman, and it was clear that she believed everything that she had told him. So... After hearing the tale, Easterbrook immediately made arrangements to bring Lucans to Bristol. When Lucans arrived in Bristol, the Reverend immediately conducted a thorough examination, and several of his colleagues participated, and they were stunned and horrified by what they witnessed. Lucans exhibited incredible aggression and made inhuman sounds and expressions. He also convulsed and barked like a vicious animal. They were actually so terrified that some of them had to leave the room. Let's go out for some air. You know, I, can, I, I just got to rein this in for a minute. It took, and, it, and it, so it took them very little time to all agree unanimously that this was in fact a case of demonic possession and that Lukens was in fact a victim. I should note that later on a number of those in attendance claimed that they did not ascribe to this theory and were in fact skeptical. Mm-hmm. But Reverend Easterbrook was determined to help Lukens in whatever way he could. And so he reached out to other Methodist ministers, so they were Methodists in the area, and he asked them to pray for the soul of Lukens. He also then asked them for help with performing the needed exorcism. Remember what I said, they need seven of them. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of history because I know that you love it, that it's your bread and butter. Yeah. So under the 1604 canons of the Church of England, very con- contentious Church of England, Episcopal authority was needed to perform an exorcism. So you would need permission. Easterbrook asked for a meeting to secure that authority. And three other priests attended, and they were Reverend Richard Symes, Reverend Robbins, and Reverend James Brown. Now, we're not sure why the local bishop didn't attend because uh, any meeting of this kind should have been, should have seen the participation of the local bishop, but he wasn't there. Well, and the local bishop would have been an Anglican, but they're Methodists. Well, maybe that's why. If they're all Methodist reverends, maybe they don't mix. They're not the same. Well, you're, you're yeah, and I, I don't really know the rules around all of that, but anyway. Uh, well, I can tell you this much. I don't know... I'm not a great religious historian. The Anglican Church is of all sort of the those Protestant offshoots of Catholicism. 
Yes. The one that's most 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 closely resembles the the Catholic Church. Okay. Okay. It's very Catholic-y, not, maybe less so now because, like, for example, women can be priests. Right. Right. Of course. Uh, whereas a Methodist would have been a little bit more hardcore Old Testamenty, I believe, uh, in comparison to. So they're not they're not the same. Okay. Okay. But that, and that was actually a question I was going to ask you. But again, we're not experts in that and this stuff is the relationship between the Methodists and the Anglicans. Like, I wonder, that's why a lot of these people left England and went to the New World was so that they could practice their faiths freely. Yeah, to escape religious persecution, right? That's a, yeah. So that's, what's, that's what's behind a ton of immigration back in the day, the Huguenots, all that. I wish I knew more about it, Dan, but I actually don't. And I hope I'm not let, letting the listeners down, but it's really not that germane to what I'm talking about. No, no, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Easterbrook's petition to perform the exorcism was in fact rejected. But undeterred, he reached out to the local clergy and I guess just decided to just take the ball and run with it. Mm-hmm. So without permission... Six priests agreed to participate, and a committee was assembled to make the necessary preparations. I should note, at this point, an account of Lucan's condition was sent via letter to the local newspaper, the Bristol Gazette. And you can actually see a a copy of that online. And the author was not identified. In that particular article, the author gave Easterbrook's name and described all the events that had transpired up to this point. So all of, you know, the fact that he had been, it had been decided that he was possessed and that an exorcism was needed and they were going to try to do it. The letter stated that Lucan's claimed to be the devil himself, that he exhibited violent tantrums, and he also sang a backwards version of Te Deum, which is a religious hymn, Latin. And he would sing it backwards. So, I mean, God, Latin is hard enough to sing frontwards, let alone backwards, right? So, what would Tadeum be backwards? It would be Mued et. So, Mued et is Tadeum backwards. And I wonder if, if he, in his social, hier- where he was in the social hierarchy, if he would have even known Latin. That's interesting. Hard to say, right? That's, in, that's interesting to me if he didn't speak Latin and is speaking in Latin and backwards. Well, it's whether or not he was educated, right? That's right. Whether yeah. or not he was educated. You're probably wondering out there, folks, today um, it translates to, we praise thee, O God. And that's a really old hymn. And you only ever used to sing that on special occasion. And it's basically an expression of thanks. So if you sang it backwards, it's an expression of disdain. Yes. Which is interesting because anything say it set. Anything, to believe anything sung backwards or recited backwards would have the opposite effect. Okay. Okay. So, sing it backwards. It's disdain. Easterbrook was horrified that that article appeared in the paper. And he was really worried that the community would be angry. But, yahoo, it had the opposite result. And people were actually super supportive of what was going on. They, as I said, it was still a very superstitious time. Religion was, you know, the foundation of communities. And so they believed that, you know, through, um, through God's intervention, this man could be saved. And they wanted to see it happen. Word of uh, Lucan's case spread throughout England. It became very sensational at the time. And many other papers picked up the story. So it was a hot topic. It, uh, it got national exposure. Huh. All right. 
Methodist exorcisms, they're very similar to Catholic exorcisms. They both include prayer and hymns. Uh, those are the most important components. And they also contain commands for the demon to leave, which are repeated over and over again. Uh, both also use what's known as the Trinitarian formula. And that means that the demon is ordered to leave in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity. Yeah. So that's the Trinitarian formula. So you would say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I command you to leave this man or to leave this body. Okay, so it's you, you. Everything that we have in our heads um, in terms of what an exorcism would look like is basically what this exorcism would look like. Yeah, that's interesting because I was going to ask that too. Are they using the Latin? I think we've talked about this, or this could be. This is the where we're at now. I've got research going for other like future episodes. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I can't remember. Is this something I'm I'm researching now, or something I've already talked about? But how it's really important that an exorcism is performed. Uh, using the old original Latin prayers. I'm pretty sure in the 1700s where we are now, they're using Latin. Latin has power, right? I believe they believe that Latin... That, that's right. And this is where the, the Protestant faith sometimes uh, didn't, though, because one of the, one of the things that, that made them uh, the protest, right, was let's get these sermons and masses out of the Latin. Let's make them more accessible to people. Let's translate the Bible into the common language and let's recite our prayers and our hymns in English in this case. Mm -hmm. That's why I find it interesting that they were using Latin uh, with these Methodists. I need to do more research into Methodism. Yeah, we will. We will. But um, okay. Together in the library? Yeah. Let's join it. Let's join a church. I'll bring a slushy. I don't want to join any more churches. I've done my time. So on Friday, June 13th, did you hear that? Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. June. June 13th. June. June 13th. Friday the 13th. Not following. 1787. That's a movie? Friday the 13th is a superstitious day. What? Oh, you fool. You're just being an idiot. Oh. Okay. You've been damned. Oh, that was so Joe Rogan. <laughs> it was too. It really was. It re now go go get go work out. That was me playing the electric guitar as yeah yeah yeah. In 1787, uh, June 13th, uh, Easterbrook, seven witnesses and six Wesleyan ministers assembled in a church to perform the exorcism at long last. Do you know why they're called Wesleyan? I do not. Are they named after Wesley Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation? No, they're named after Emmanuel Lewis's character Wesley. Is his name Wesley? So they're called Wesleyans because uh, Methodists are from, uh, it's the teachings of John Wesley. So he's like the John Calvin that spawned Calvinism, uh, or Martin Luther who spawned Lutheranism. John Wesley uh, was the guy behind the Methodist church. So that's why they're called Wesleyan ministers. What a boring little story that was. Well, I'm just, it's a little interesting factoid for people when they're playing Trivial Pursuit or something or, or looking for a new faith to follow. They can go and join the Wesleys. The participation of the ministers was the direct result of the publication of that letter in the, uh, in the Bristol uh, yes. newspaper and the empathy and outpourings of support that the public had had expressed for Lucan's and what he was going through. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I would kinda, have thought it would have been the other way. No, but public uh, public opinion was so on his side that they were like, "Okay, go ahead." So before confronting Lucan's, Easterbrook called out to God for guidance. As soon as the priest began to sing the required hymns, 
Lucan's face became wildly distorted. His body began to convulse, and he became extremely agitated. He began to speak in a, and I quote, deep, hoarse, hollow tone, and claimed to be controlled by an invisible entity. He called out to those who had assembled, told them they were fools, then, and this is the demonic presence speaking, then promised that his torment of Lucan's would be a thousand times worse if they tried to interfere. So they were trying to intervene and he said, if you don't back off, it's going to be a thousand times worse for this man mm. that I have now controlled. He shouted horrendous blasphemies in both male and female voices. Interesting. And he also bragged to all those assembled that he was indeed the big guy, the devil himself. And he, and I quote, vowed eternal vengeance on the miserable objects and on those present for daring to oppose him. As it progressed, Lugans became so violent and upset and aggressive that it took two strong men to hold him down. When he was asked to speak the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Lucans would instead reply, I am the great devil. He then sang songs in a female voice and bragged about his powers. And sounded just like Cher. Of <laughs> everything that happened, the one that I think is the most disturbing for me, that I would have fucked, that would have fucked me up the most, is the singing the songs in a female voice. If I could turn back time... Boop, 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 boop. I would find a way to, dee -dee, to tear your heart out and throw it down a furnace and eat no, no, your no, no, soul. No, 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 it's not it. It's not, it's not. I would take back all the things that would hurt you, hurt you, I think, and you'd stay. They got me being a buffoon. That's my superpower. It is. You are a, you are a transmitter of buffoonery. <laughs> You were the buffoon. All right. He sang songs in a female voice. I drive I the buffoonomobile. <laughs> I like that, actually. Uh, uh, the entity defiantly declared that it would not leave Lucan's, that it was there to stay, and they were in for um, a whole night of failure. <laughs> what? I just, the way you said that, and then you immediately. I, I, because I know where you're going with it, and it made me laugh. Well, I myself have been down that path the uh -huh. whole night of failure. <laughs> so, uh, the entity, <laughs> I love the fact that we're laughing at an exorcism. I know, we're, we're I good know. people. We're the just good people. We're just uh, good people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're giddy. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have had that steak. I have yeah. steak for dinner. Oh, uh, okay, boy. so the entity at that point began to howl like a wild animal, and people were really fucked up. Yeah, I bet. Like, as soon as that started, they were like, I'm out of here, but they were, no, no, you have to stay. Mm -hmm. So he got crazy. The entity then called upon his servants to gather and chase away those who threatened him. When he said, if, if I was there and he said that, I'd left just to be safe. I think so. Just in case. Yep. So Lucan sang a song of praise to the devil. Then his voice constantly changed and modulated. So it'd be like a little girl voice and a, a deep monster voice, then a high voice. I love that. It's so off-putting. Can you imagine? It would just really fuck you up. I mean, again, like, look, this is probably someone who's mentally ill, but that's weird. Yeah. So he screamed, he shouted, he fought his captors, and overall demanded that they release him. The priests, however 
were determined. They wouldn't relent, and they continued to pray and sing and perform the rites of the exorcism that were dictated. One priest demanded again and again that the evil entity depart Lucan's in the name of the Holy Trinity. Lucan's would inevitably reply, Must I give up my power? Then a female voice exclaimed, Our master has deceived us. Where shall we go? I sound like some weird animated series from the 70s. Anyway, one of the priests... <laughs> one of the priests then replied... I'm laughing like a, a buffoon. Oh, I guess they're British. Okay, one of the... I'll have to do an accent. One of the priests then replied to hell and return no more to torment this man. Finally, after two hours of prayer, Lucan suddenly relaxed and exclaimed, Blessed Jesus! He then recited the Lord's Prayer, praised God for his deliverance, and collapsed. It was over. He was dead. He wasn't dead. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I wanted to see the expression on your face. He, he didn't die. He was fine. Okay, so. That would have been amazing in a way, though, if he had. Well, it took him a while to recover. Okay. He, uh, he was not well. It took him quite a while to recover. All those assembled agreed that the exorcism had been successful and they dispersed news of the exorcism spread like fire throughout the community because this was a big damn deal again they're superstitious religious this had already been in the papers everyone was following the story so a huge debate ensued and in public and there was a very significant group of people who claimed that the clergy had been fooled by lucans and that it was all a very clever act the deniers claimed that he was merely just a drunk who had, you know, the sort of cognitive yeah. um, impairment because of so many years of alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Others, though, claimed that he suffered from a disease that affected the muscles. Not a They didn't specify, so it could be any number of things, right? It could be muscular dystrophy or any... Well, no, he wouldn't be that old and still okay. I don't know. It, um, whatever, some kind of degenerative muscular disease. However, Easterbrook and the clergy that had been uh, there remained convinced that the event was authentic. And he said, if you had been there, there would have been no doubt in your mind that what we saw was Satan himself. In order to quell the rumors and to kind of stop all the speculation, Easterbrook himself wrote a letter to the Bristol Gazette. And in it, he explained that Lucan's had been cured of his affliction through faith and prayer and that it had been a successful intervention. So, as a result of the exorcism, Lucan's appeared to be free of his demonic visitors. And he never again experienced any of the symptoms that he had been experiencing for more than two decades. Interesting. Uh, he lived a happy life, and it's rumored that he became what's called a bill sticker, which in our sort of current parlance would be a guy who put up handbills, posters. He was a posterer. And he lived a very happy, pious, religious life. And uh, he was never again afflicted with any kind of entity or any kind of seizure or anything. That is weird because it, that sort of um, squashes the mental illness piece then, doesn't it? Well, exactly. And also any kind of degenerative degenerative muscular condition would have continued. Yeah, I, I can't think of any muscle condition that would have led to being able to speak in different voices. And, you know, maybe the convulsing, obviously. But other than that, I can't think of that being the the a plausible explanation, mental illness, like schizophrenia. I've experienced that where people are having episodes where, um, you've seen that I have, 
Yeah. Oh, God. And it is scary, by the way. It's very scary, even when you know what's happening. I've probably seen it, right? I, I mean, I've probably seen it in people on the streets because a lot of mentally ill people just unfortunately being cared for properly and just That's roaming right. around, right? Yeah. And it, um, so, you know, some of the things you were talking about with that, with this actually reminded me, like I, I've, I've witnessed someone going through a psychotic episode where they were speaking in a way that didn't sound like them, animalistic in a way, very violent, very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a position, in a caring position with this one case and it had a very happy resolution, uh, but it's, it's unnerving. It's really, and if you didn't know what was happening, it would be especially so, I think. I think so as well. Yeah, I do. So Dan... There's the exorcism of George Lukens, one of the earliest recorded, very well recorded and documented. How did you find this one? I stumbled across it by accident when I was researching someone else, something else, honestly. Really? Yeah, something to do with exorcism or spiritual. I stumbled across this and it's very well known case because there's lots of papers and stuff. Like the newspaper articles are actually there, archived. You can see them. So there's documentation. So that it's very, you can trace all the events. It's not just speculation. So Yeah, that's interesting, especially going that far back. Yeah, and you know I'm obsessed with the, with the far back show. stuff. Yeah, well, I love the far yeah. back stuff. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it. So there you go. Woohoo! Baka, baka, baka. Wah, wah, wah. Love it. That was a great and much uh, lighter story than the bucket of horribleness I dropped on our listeners last week. Oh, but they're going to love it. You know what? We're going to get really good um, download uh, rates on that because it's unknown. It's got a pedigree. People are spooky and like the dark stuff. Well, I often said if we wanted to get really high numbers, we could do a true crime podcast, but I don't want to because its market is saturated, man. Yeah. And uh, I think we found our little niche and I'm happy there. I would like to start a podcast where we talk about our favorite G.I. Joe figures from the 1980s. You were playing with them still? I never. I only ever had one GI Joe my entire life. The the, the Barbie doll sized one. No, it was uh, well, it was big, but he was the space guy in the space capsule. Yeah, but he was like the like Barbie sized. Yeah, yeah, doll. he was. Yeah, it was from when um, the moon. The original. It was well, it was when the space program was really hot, and um, it was the, that sort of cone shaped spacecraft came with it, and it glowed in the dark inside. So that era of GI Joe figures. Was that like the 60s or 70s? I mean, the late 60s. Yeah, because I would have been uh, eight years old in 1970, right? So, yeah, around, yeah, late late 60s, early 70s. My brother had a G.I. Joe figure, and all I remember about him is that he was, I never saw his uniform. He was nude, and <laughs> he had a fuzzy head and beard. Yes, that was the, that was very, that was a big one when they had the one with the hair. I love that he was perpet- he was perpetually nude. By the time I got him, which was would have been like the late seventies, early eighties, because all my my brother and sister's toys were handed down to me. That was like not one I bothered to play with. Oh, okay. I got also the evil Knievel, like that motorcycle that could go over like the ramp, like it was a yes, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing with evil Knievel, who also didn't have his clothes. <laughs> yeah, all the clothes went missing. I I suspect my sister might have taken the clothes and added them to her wardrobe for her Barbies. That makes sense. Maybe she was getting into cross-dressing her Barbies, which is great. Yeah. They were, they were, you know, not, they were gender fluid. Yeah. Even back then. We were uh, a liberal-minded family even back then. I wasn't into action figures, so I didn't have any. But you know what? One of my favorite action figures, and you won't remember this, I don't think, because it's way, it's my era, but there was a character, an action figure called Big Jim, and Big Jim was an outdoorsman, and he had a, a camper. 
And I kid you not, you can look it up on YouTube, folks. This was the jingle for Big Jim. Big Jim, sports camper, king of the road. You got to help him unload. I feel like I've heard that. But think about it. Big Jim, you got to help him unload. Can't you just picture Big, Big Jim in the camper? Lurling, get in here and help me unload. Like, I don't think they, I, I guess unload didn't have the meaning that it has now. But it was pretty racy for back then. <laughs> like back then as a kid, you knew that it was. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, there he is. He looks like a lifeguard. Yeah. And we had a lot of adventures. He got around, Big Jim. He got around. Very big uh, deltoids. Yeah, well, he's, he's well built. He he worked out. But his arms, they're not even the same color as his torso. Well, do you know who modeled for that? Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just take the piss out of Joe Rogan because he doesn't give a shit about our podcast. The, the so. arms are like a greenish color. Like they're not matching the torso. Look at, anyway. I have a cousin with that problem. So she always wears long sleeve dresses. I was big on Star Wars toys. I got lucky. See, that's, I'm, I was too old for that shit. I got. I was university original star wars toys and then switched to gi joe in the mid 80s when they were the smaller three inch figures they got tiny yeah so you could have more of them okay we're boring people and i don't want to do that so um let's wrap her up let's wrap her up like a christmas gift all right get in here and help me unload i I can't get over i'm just gonna keep saying that um yeah so thanks for uh listening to my story bagster bagster that he just says his name when he comes in. Yo, it's the Bagster! Bagster! <laughs> we gotta make a skit of that. Okay, uh, folks, we love that you join us for this journey every week. It's why we do it. And like a lot of other po- podcasts, we don't demand money for Patreon because we don't have time to do any any extra episodes anyway. So, And I'm not willing to do porn. No, I'm not either. Not anymore. It's not, it's not porn on Patreon. No, Patreon's just where people give you money and they get extras. Like I thought it was a porn thing too, though. That's Pornhub. No, no Patreon's no. not a porn thing. Okay, okay, okay. I thought it was. Really? Seriously? Like, you seriously? Yeah, I don't okay. pay for everything. No, like it's where you can give, like, YouTubers love it too. It's where you can give them money. I know what Patreon is, but I've never actually gone to it as a site to look people up. Yeah, I hope we don't ever have to use it. I don't know. It's I'm, too complicated. <laughs> I love you. Um, I hope someday we just get some sponsorship. Unless, unless we can get someone, we can eventually hire someone to do all the production stuff behind the scenes. Until then, and do we'll the keep right. it the way I, it is. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I don't want to make that much more money because they just claw it all back in taxes, right? There you go. There you go. Amen. We do fine. We do fine, the two of us. We're, yes. we're, we're, we're set. Okay, uh, thank you so much for living... <laughs> <laughs> oh my I'm God, tired. Thank you so much, much for, for living and living for listening to the weird. We love, as I said, that you come with us on this journey. Um, if you like what you hear, tell other people about it and maybe they'll like it too. And they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and it'll turn into a huge thing. And we'll be um, on talk shows and we'll be able to go on tour. That's something I would like. I don't care about Patreon that much, but I would love to be able to do if a live tour. we can one day tour. get on stage with Maury Povich, I will have felt that my life was worth living. Isn't he like 100 now? I hope so. Is he so. still on? He's married to Connie Chung, right? Yes. Hmm. Okay. There's a whole podcast there. That we'll find out that we are each other's biological father. What? Yeah. Okay, folks. That's all I got. Dan, you got anything else? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, well, no, uh, yes, 
If you enjoy uh, listening to The Weird, as Riley said, please spread the word of The Weird with everyone you know. Uh, you can also go to Facebook and Instagram if uh, you want to see pictures of the things that we're talking about. Um, we will post a, a smorgasbord of uh, things that we've uh, we've mentioned in our episodes. It's a great way as well to follow and to know when new things are coming out from our show. That's on Facebook, you may have heard of it, and Instagram, you may have heard of that too. You used the word smorgasbord. Yes. There's a song in um, Charlotte's Web sung by the Templeton the Rat about smorgasbord, smorgasbord. Not like that. Well, I, I don't remember the movie, but that's the way I did Templeton when I read it to my uh, son and daughter. He goes right. like, a, a fair is a veritable smorgasbord, smorgasbord. August, you look like the, what you're, the face you're doing right now, you look like that guy from Harry Potter who's the uh, yeah. bro, bad man. He's bad. Littlefinger. No, the rodent guy. Yeah, Littlefinger. Oh, no, that's uh, that's Game of Thrones. Yeah. What are uh, you talking tail. about? Wormtail. Yes. Yes. Okay, enough. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you next week for more Tales from the Weird. Bye. Bye. Big Jim Sports Camper. He's the king of the road. Then you help him unload. Okay, let's unload. Big Jim Sports Camper. <laughs>